ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. I am joined once again by my husband, Simeon. Hello. So we have been doing a little three-episode series during the month of love, February, talking about some different things. We started with some date night ideas. Please forgive us for the audio on that one. We were brand new to Australia in our office slash recording studio, and we just had some things to work through. So thank you for bearing with us through that one. Um, then we came back for love languages. So that was fun. We shared our love languages, um, how you can best communicate with your spouse as you figure out what their love language is and what your love language is. And now we are joining you today to talk about marriage purity. Now I lost my voice like almost a week ago and it is still shaky. <laughs> so it is much improved. Actually, I lost it on like Valentine's day, I believe. So that was my gift to Simeon, a silent <laughs> wife. <laughs> anyway, it is not good for a podcaster to lose her voice. It's even worse for a homeschool mom. So we've been navigating that. Um, but if I sound a little funny or much deeper than normal, that's why. It's not my fault. It's her fault. <laughs> anyway, diving into this episode, um, we are going to talk about the topic of marriage purity And this has been something that really has been on my heart for a very long time. It's been on the list of topics to address for a long time. And I've just been praying about when was the right time. And I feel like the Lord just kind of opened up the door for Simeon and I to hop on and talk about it now. So I am praying that it will be a blessing and a challenge to you. Purity is something that really is very big on my heart. Um... I have a dream one day to write a book on it. I mean, I just, it's something that I feel like is so important that is so undermined by Satan and by culture and things that we face today. Um, and we're going to dive into quite a bit of that um, in addressing marriage purity today. Now, I want to preface this episode by saying we do not come to this topic as two who have perfected this and now have all of this expert advice to share. Um, we, we're in a normal marriage, just like everybody else. We have our good days. We have our bad days. Um, we have our struggles, we have our temptations, but I know that this is an area that we have really tried to work on and safeguard in our marriage. Um, and I do feel like that in really seeking wisdom from the Lord, he has given us things that have helped our marriage, um, and just other, other sources, books, resources, research. We'll share a lot of that throughout this episode that really have culminated in us addressing this topic today. But I really wanted to say that on the forefront. Um, We're not trying to come to you as a superior or a holier than thou, look how we do it, follow. Absolutely not. Um, Really, I think if anybody ever tells you that, run in the opposite direction. I, I think we should always look to Christ and model Christ. And if you find people that are modeling their lives and patterning their lives, their marriages, their homes after Christ, then glean from them as much as you can. Um, but we always look to Christ as our final authority. So we're tackling the topic of marriage purity. And I, I, I've, those words are chosen with purpose, marriage purity. So addressing today's topic of marriage purity, we really chose that title with an intent in mind, specifically addressing purity within marriage. And so if you're not married yet, I I hope that this is still something that you can glean from and learn from if God has marriage in your future. Um, But today, Simeon and I are really speaking to married people. And I think that is so, so important, especially if you come from any kind of background of a more purity culture type approach. Um, because I feel like, and and even some of my background with purity, um, it was very much, and and this isn't necessarily, um, because of my parents, but just the culture, the groups, the circles that I was in, purity was very much defined as virginity. So the whole goal was to get to your wedding day as a virgin. And then it's almost like you could check purity off a list, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it was never said that way, but that's how my teenage mind 
uh, computed all of the purity culture that I was in. So um, I had this idea that, okay, I, I, I made it to my wedding. I was a virgin. Um, so, hey, I can check purity off my list. Two things about that that I really feel like we do a disservice in addressing purity culture as purity equals virginity. One is purity does not end the day you get married. Purity is something that you will have to fight for till the day that you die. And a lot of that will be addressed in this episode. Another thing that I think really it does a disservice to is to those who are unmarried thinking, well, if I just keep my virginity, then it really doesn't matter what else I do or say or watch or think or get involved in as long as I'm still a virgin. And I feel like that's where we really fall short in this area. I think one of the things that um, we need to kind of talk about before we get into the topic too much is that um, there's a bit of a misnomer with the idea of purity culture. What people are talking about when they say purity culture, they're talking about people who make works, the work of being sexually pure, somehow a holier work than other works. In other words, it's like it's the focus of your life kind of a thing. And that's not exactly what we're talking about. When we're talking about purity, we're talking about we're talking about a, a, a holiness, not just not just trying to preserve your sexual intimacy for your spouse, but a, a specific holiness about your person when it comes to saving yourself for your spouse. So we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I just wanted to get your brain out of the idea of uh, of some kind of works based thing, but rather personal holiness as it applies to Jesus Christ. Well, I think it's important too to remember that God says that our bodies are His. He created us, and our purpose in creation is to bring Him glory. He also not only has created us, he hasn't owned us by the creator right. He also has purchased us with his blood. We are bought with a price. Um, therefore, we are no longer our own. Our bodies are his. We are for his, created for his glory. And so like Simeon said, um, you know, obviously, especially in those teen years, early 20 years, um, that time of hormones and change and puberty and, you know, dating and working up to marriage, there tends to be this heavier emphasis on purity. And and I, I think rightfully so. Um, different seasons of life require more intensity in different areas, different struggles, different temptations. But like I, like I said, like he said, this idea of purity is really remembering whose body your body is. My body is not my body. My body is Christ's body. And how I steward my body, whether that's sexually, whether that's my mind, or whether that's my heart, all of that is to bring God glory. And that's where I think that we fall short when we make purity so focused on the physical, the body, or virginity, without addressing other aspects of of our person that we need to keep pure. Unless you think that you're beyond something, just keep in mind that every person is capable of anything at any time. That, the Bible says take heed lest is. you fall. Yeah, your flesh is weak. It desires, it lusts after the spirit, the Bible says, and the spirit lusts after the flesh. What that means is that they, they want to take over. So your flesh constantly wants to take over your life and it wants to take over the spirit. So you're capable of anything at any time. Does that mean that you're going to go out and, and murder somebody? Probably not, but you're capable of it. And because you're capable of it, that's why personal holiness is so important because your personal holiness is the thing that mitigates you against taking action that you shouldn't take. That involves protecting other things, which is what we'll get into. And we love to dress ourselves up and think that we're so much more than what we are. But the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I think that it is important to remember here, especially when addressing something like purity, is that it is so obvious in in culture, in our world today, that Satan has an attack on the family. Satan has an attack on Christian marriages. And this is a podcast. I am, I am a Christian woman, a Christian wife, a Christian mother, more than likely speaking to other Christian women. That is my audience. So I am assuming that the majority of listeners have a Christian marriage, whatever end of the spectrum that falls on. But um, Satan would love nothing more than to create a wedge to attack the purity of our Christian marriages, because if he can get the Christian marriages to crumble, what else is there for us to build a society on? That's really one of the 
the final um, strongholds that we have in this this fight of of truth and lie from Satan is standing on the word of God, claiming his order that he created, man, woman, married for life, for one another, enjoying marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled. Um, but the whoremonger and adulterer, God will judge. We need to consecrate this area of our lives, not just pre-marriage, but after marriage. I came across this, across this quote, and I thought it was so good. I, I can't remember who said it, um, but it says, You may think, I'm not going to get serious with that person, but they're just easy to talk to. That is how it works. If you talk long enough and share enough, you will give your heart away and find yourself perhaps in love with the wrong person. Your heart, not your body, is the most precious thing you can give someone. We're really going to talk about three different areas of purity within the marriage that you need to make sure that you have safeguarded. This might be a really good episode too, to, to listen with your husband, listen together, talk. Hey, are, are, how are we doing in these areas? How, do we have boundaries? Do we have accountability between each other? Do we need to bring in another accountability, another godly mentor if this is something that we're struggling with? Um, but I really think this would be a good episode to stop and and analyze some things, think through some things, set up those safeguards because the Lord has put on it on our heart for a reason. Obviously, it's stuff that we need to hear and discuss for our own marriage. Um, but God has given us this platform, and we do feel that this is an episode that He has called us to speak to. Um, so that means somebody needs to hear what we're saying. I I recently read a well, I shouldn't say recently. <laughs> Probably the best book that I have read written for men. So if there are any men listening or if if wives you want to recommend a book to your husbands um, is called Point Man, um, How a Man Can Lead His Family by Steve Farrar. It's F-A-R-R-A-R. Um, that is one of the best books that I've read on um, just for men in general. But I had a whole couple of chapters on this idea of the man protecting his mind and protecting his heart. And, um, but he said essentially the same thing that the person that Brittany just quoted said, which is essentially just that he spends an entire chapter talking about how men have a tendency to wander. We just do, especially, especially males, men, but human beings have a tendency to wander, but men, especially we have a tendency to wander into the physical and that doesn't happen overnight. It happens in our heads and in our hearts first. And he has a whole chapter where he talks about it. Just absolutely fantastic. And I would recommend that literally every man read that, whether he struggles with things or not. It's a, it's probably the best book I've, I have read on men leading the home in general. So that's a good one. I just love that emphasis that your heart, not your body, is the most precious thing you can give someone. Now, obviously, the body is great too. I mean, we're Simeon and I are married. We enjoy the benefits of marriage. Um, but it's the heart. And the heart is what leads the body follows. Um, whether that is within the safe confines of, of love and marriage and intimacy and a relationship with your spouse, or if it is outside of those parameters. So I really want to talk about three areas where we need to safeguard our relationship. So the three areas are your relationships with other people of the opposite sex. Then the other one is pornography. And then the last one is your entertainment choices. We're going to talk briefly about all three of these areas and share some really staggering statistics, actually, as I was doing some research for this, and then just trying to give some godly advice on how we can guard these areas of our marriage um, and, and glorify Christ, because that is really the goal of purity is to glorify Christ with our body. I said he created us. He bought us. Our purpose is to bring him glory. So Proverbs chapter four, um, Solomon is writing quite a bit about the word of God, but he finishes the chapter and in verse number 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy way be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And I just wanted to bring out a couple of things about this passage. Obviously, it's dealing with the heart, but it talks 
specifically about a few things that you can do to help preserve your heart. And it talks about your mouth, your eyes, and your feet, and your hands. Um, and so these are things that you do. If you remember that Jesus says it's not what's without a man that defiles him, but what, what's within a man that defiles him. And he's talking about what's in your heart. What comes out of you is what's defiling you. And so our hearts are desperately wicked who can know it. But these few things are talked about specifically. I just want to blow through them and we'll address all of them more as we talk, I'm sure, because that has to do with everything that we're talking about. Um, but the first one was the froward mouth and perverse lips. I think one of the most dangerous things that a spouse can do to harm their other spouse is to talk about them to other people. And a lot of times this comes in the form of a undercover prayer request, or it comes in the form with men. A lot of times they just out and out talk badly about their wives. Women disguise it better than men do, but they tend to or talk they make about jokes. They make a joke humorous. about it, or you, you talk to your friends about it because you have this idea that your friends really care and they're going to help. But really all you want to do is complain. Um, Men, typically, we just out and out say, yeah, my wife is horrible. And, well, hopefully you don't. <laughs> well, I don't. But, <laughs> but, um, but that, that's just a tendency. Men are a little bit more open about that kind of th- stuff, especially like in uh, you know what, what we'd call locker room talk. Everybody's just sitting around and chatting about stuff. Um, but uh, I think with women, you, you're better at disguising these things as something good. Um, Let me give a word of advice here, too, that somebody gave me one time that was so good to, to women – be careful what you tell your parents about your spouse. That's um, a big one. The advice by an older godly mentor was your parents are your parents. And if they ever have to pick a side, they're always going to pick yours. Now you're the wife. You're going to have a day where you, he just threw his clothes beside the laundry basket for the millionth time. And he's just aggravating you again. <laughs> And you blow up and you tell your mom, and now she's he can't telling stand all this jerk. He won't, you know, <laughs> carry his own weight. You have the phone call, but then he comes home and you forget about it. He brings you flowers, sweeps you off your feet, and you're just back, step, and step. But your mom, his mother-in-law is over there. I can't believe that jerk. He never takes care of my dad. So that was very good advice to me, um, was to be very, very careful what you say to your parents about your husband. If, if you need to get counsel or something, be very discreet. Or maybe um, maybe you just need to find an outside person to get counsel from, just to be very delicate in that area. So the next one was, let thine eyes look right on and thine eyelids look straight before thee. Um, this one, I think everyone struggles with male or female doesn't matter. Um, especially when you're frustrated or you're already upset about something. And then that one person walks by, they may not even necessarily be an attractive person. That's not the point. The point is that they're somebody who pays you attention. And when you're upset, that's when you're at your weakest, let your eyes look straight on eyes, get you in trouble and they get you in trouble fast. So don't pay attention to the other people that are walking around just because your husband and you are not on good terms right now, or your wife and you are not on good terms right now. Just, uh, just keep your eyes trained straight forward and don't let them wander around. Um, the next one was ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Your feet, the, the, when the Bible talks about feet, it's always either talking about a path that you're on the path of righteousness, the path of destruction, or it's talking about the gospel. And so the question is, again, what path are you on? What are you following? And if your friends are going the wrong direction, those are not the people you need to hang out with when you're having problems in your marriage. Or even if you're not having problems in your marriage, they can cause problems in your marriage. So what path are they on? Don't follow them down that path. And then the last one is turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Satan is always going to have two ditches and there's always going to be one on each side of the road. This is where a lot of people who get upset about purity culture, they are right on certain things. They're right. Some people have taken this purity culture. I I use that term loosely because I don't really care for it, but some people have taken it too far on the one hand. And so they knee jerk react and then they fall into the ditch on the other side of the road There's always a ditch on both sides of the road. 
And so that's why he says, don't turn to the right hand nor to the left. The, the, the path of righteousness is a straight path. It's a straight line. So you made a promise to God that you would be faithful to your spouse. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not at this moment. And don't be turning to the right hand or to the left straight on. All right, let's dive into these three different areas. The first one is in relationship with people of the opposite sex. I read that quote earlier. I'm just going to read that again. It says, you may think I'm not going to get serious with that person. They're just easy to talk to. This is how it works. If you talk long enough and share enough, you will give your heart away and find yourself perhaps in love with the wrong person. And I think it's it's such a slippery slope because we we start with things that are apparently harmless that there's you know there's nothing wrong we're just going to lunch. I, I was just really shocked when Simeon was back in the workforce on how many married men and women would go to lunch with just like the the man and a woman, uh, both married, not married to each other, and they would just go to lunch together. Um, I, I was, I think we were both a little surprised. I mean, we both <laughs> grew up, I guess, very sheltered. So maybe that kind of caught us off guard. Um, but we were a little surprised at that. Oftentimes you'd later find out that, you know, it started out as lunch and ended in a hotel room. Um, but, but that's the slippery slope. You have to be so very, very careful of that. I thought it was really interesting. I found a survey that looked at how the general population, um, answered this question. So they asked the question, how often, if ever, would you say the following activities would be cheating on a spouse or partner? Here are the results within the evangelical community. Now, again, we say that loosely, that encompasses a lot of different things, but this is within a group that would profess to be Christians. These are the percentages that people said, if your spouse was participating in these activities, you would consider it cheating. So... Following an ex on social media, 23% of people considered that cheating. Watching pornography without your partner, 31% of people considered that cheating. Going to a strip club without your partner, 37% considered that cheating. Going out to dinner with someone that you're attracted to, 53% considered that cheating. Sending for flirtatious messages to someone besides your partner, 58% considered that cheating. Being emotionally involved with someone besides your partner, 67% considered that cheating. Actively maintaining an online dating profile, 68%. Sending sexually explicit messages to someone other than your partner, 75%. Romantically kissing someone other than your partner, 78%. Having a one-night stand with someone other than your partner, 77%. Having regular sexual relations with someone other than your partner, 82%. That was staggering to me. Who are these people? (laughs) That was staggering to me. Obviously, the further down the list we went, the more physical it became and the higher percentages people considered that cheating. But, but okay, so look at this. The last one, ha- having sex with someone other than your spouse, 82%, that means that there is 18% of an evangelical group that does not consider that cheating. But back what it do up. do they consider cheating? <laughs> okay, so, so let's go before you get to the actual physical acts of sending pictures or kissing or having sex. Let's go all the way back to, okay, only 31% considered watching porn without your partner cheating. So 69% was okay with that, did not consider that cheating. I'm just mind blown at at these statistics, and I understand that maybe we wouldn't fall into that group that was that was interviewed or it's, you know they got the statistic from, but the reality is that I mean they they interviewed a large group trying to get um, you know different genders, races, variety of religious subgroups. They tried to get a broad group here and and poll and these are the results that came back and like Simeon says what what is considered cheating I just had a thought and it's it's kind of a scary thought but I have to wonder if those we always think that we're better than we are right so I have to wonder if the reason why so many people didn't see watching pornography as cheating is because they watch pornography and they don't think of themselves as a cheater 
I don't know, but it was just staggering to me. And, and, and again, just the reminder to be so, so, so careful um, at, at, the, at the early stages with friendships. Now, if if you're listening to this and, and you're struggling with maybe um, a, an, a relationship outside of your marriage, maybe it's it started as a friendship and it's going somewhere and the train's running and you don't know how to stop it. Um, maybe you're you're involved with pornography. Maybe your entertainment has um, has taken a turn into an area that it should never have. If you, if any of that is dealing with, I, I love having this podcast. I love having a voice into your hearts and homes to try to encourage you to pursue Christ, as I am trying to learn to pursue Christ. But due to the nature of this relationship, this podcast relationship, I can't counsel you. So if you need that counsel on a deeper level, go to your church. I hope that you have a solid church that you can go to for counsel or or a Titus 2 woman or someone in your life that you can go to. And make sure that that's always um, appropriate. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're going to talk about this here. Yeah, and if it's going to be men, if it's going to be a man counseling you, which is totally fine, there needs to be a woman present. It's it's it, for no other reason for image purposes alone, but just be wise about that. But um, for those of us who who were talking about this, and maybe you you don't have you know it's just you and your husband, and you don't have feelings for somebody else. You're not you know oh goodness I'm falling in love with someone. Um, I, I just think it's a really good reminder to be careful of our friendships. Really, I I, I feel like personally, if you are a married woman, you really don't have a place having close friendships with a man. And, and I mean, we have mutual friends where we are friends with the husband and wife um, and we do things together. But as far as like me texting a, another a man or hanging out or grabbing dinner or anything like that, I, I think that that is, is off limits. That That's really an, an out of bounds area within marriage. I think the absolute worst thing you can do is talk about any kind of marital trouble you're having with a person of the opposite sex. That is the absolute worst thing you can do, especially if that person is someone who is coming across as very caring and sympathetic, and they may even start out being caring and sympathetic, but that is the worst thing you can do. One of the stories that Steve Ferrar tells in, in his book that I talked about a minute ago is a story about a man who was talking to a pretty young blonde girl at work about the trouble he was having with his wife and she was having trouble with her husband. And what do you know? They wound up being together. Like you think that's an accident? No, it's not an accident. That's called normal human physical attraction and it's dangerous. So speaking with anyone about your marital trouble is suspect anyway. The only person you should be talking to that about about that about is someone who is actually going to counsel you, a spiritual mentor of the same sex, preferably, if at all possible. And if not, it needs to be someone who has spiritual authority in your life, such as a pastor. And even then, there needs to be another person of the same sex uh, there in the room. I think another area that we need to be very careful on is social media. It can be so easy to send a message via social media um, and to say things on that platform that you would never say, you know, on the phone, in person, maybe even in a text, just because social media gives us this feeling of uh, being anonymous. I mean, even recently on Instagram, there's a whole like Q&A thing that you can do. You can submit a question as an anonymous person. I mean, it it gives us this feeling of... um, like we aren't held responsible for what we say. And even like in that poll, um, you know, only 23% that following an ex on social media was was a problem. Now, um, you know, obviously you make your own choices with that, but we, we just got to guard ourselves, be so, so careful. Okay, so the next area that we really need to safeguard our marriages is in the area of pornography. And... This is becoming an epidemic. Like the more I read. It is an epidemic. It's not becoming an epidemic. It is an epidemic. The more that I read and do research and and come across this topic, the more broken my heart is, Um, not just for adults and our marriages, but also for children. We are living 
in a day and age where the average age of exposure to pornography is eight. So that means that not only are our marriages struggling with this onslaught of pornography, but this is something that our kids are going to be dealing with in in their marriages, in their peers, in their searching for someone pure to marry. Um, so this this is an area that we can't just stick our head in the sand. It tends to be, um, I think it can feel kinky and hush hush. And sometimes we want to just bury our head in the sand and pretend that it is not happening. But we cannot do that. Um, we do not have that luxury. We cannot be afforded that. It it has to be addressed. It has to be addressed because it, it really has become of epidemic proportions. I want to read a few statistics that I found. Um, it said some different stats that I was looking up. It said that over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. The porn industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and MBL combined. It is also more combined, or it is also more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. Now, we just came through Super Bowl here a few weeks ago. You know how much money the NFL rolls in, um, but the porn industry supersedes that combined with these other different things. It also said that 40, 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. That's almost half, almost half of our homes in the United States reported that porn is a problem. Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors View porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively search for porn. 59% of pastors said that married men seek their help for porn use. 33% of women aged 25 and under search for porn at least once per month. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say that they never watch porn. 87% of Christian women have watched porn. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say that they watch porn at least once per month. 57% of pastors say that porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation, with 69% saying that porn has adversely impacted the church. Now, I know that's a lot of numbers, a lot of percentages, and a ton of statistics, but every one of those percents represents a man, a woman, a family, children who are being negatively impacted by this monster. I think if you knew about your family, your not just your immediate family, but your extended family, if you knew about what they look at on the internet, every single family in probably in the Western world would be affected by this problem in some way or another, whether it be currently or in the past, um, because it's such a big deal. Well, and our culture is getting to a point too, where it's no longer um, difficult to find. No, it's everywhere. It is right there. And even if it's not like some internet site you're going to search for, I mean, to extents you drive down the road And there's practically nude people on billboards. You can't even walk down the... We were in the mall recently with my four-year-old, and we were having to try to distract him and turn his face so that we wouldn't see naked women on on the signs in the shops. I mean, it's everywhere. There's a good part of Europe where the top half of a woman's body is allowed to be shown publicly in advertisement. So it's not like they don't see it all the time. You know, they do. And uh, in the Western world, in in the States and in Australia, that's not the case, but it's still out there all the time. There are places where you can go to see that stuff if you want to. There are websites that you can get on your cell phone. Your child's tablet can do all kinds of things. There is no hiding this from yourself. If you want to find it, you can find it. It doesn't matter if you're an eight-year-old. 
and you have all of the privacy protection stuff available, which I'm not discouraging you from doing that. I think that's wise. If they're going to have electronics, they need to have ways that they can be protected. But at the same time, if they want to find it, they will get around it and they will find it. I mean, it, 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 because it's there. So it's, it's far more important that you teach them and you teach yourself. Well, now hold up, hon. You're going into a whole new topic that I'm planning to address. <laughs> In the near future, we are going to talk about specifically the epidemic of pornography with children. So right, don't yeah. steal well, my not, thunder. I mean, I'm not going to end that too much. But my, my point was that you have to teach yourself as well about this this uh, topic of of purity or personal holiness because if you want it there's no way you can stop yourself from getting it outside of stopping yourself from getting it well and two it really comes back to do we believe that purity is more than the physical acts of our body i'm not out having sex with my neighbor so it's okay as long as i'm in the privacy of my room viewing something on the screen no no, we believe that our bodies are not our own. Our bodies are God's. And so we are not held to our standard of purity. We're not held to, um, you know, someone's standard of purity that they've imposed on us or that they've said that we should. We're not held to culture's standard of purity. We're held, we're held to God's standard of purity. That is our plumb line. That is, is our bar of how far is too far, how much is too much, where do I draw the line here? It's what God says. I'd like to remind you, too, that, that Jesus was the perfection of the law. The law said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery already in your heart. So you say, well, I'm not doing anything. I haven't broke the law. Well, that, that, that doesn't matter. Jesus, the perfection of the law, said... That if you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. So that's exactly what pornography is. That's exactly what it fuels. And you can talk yourself out of it all you want, but you're being dishonest with yourself and you know it. You know it's wrong. And I think it's becoming more common for couples to use this during in intimacy and view it together and think that, oh, well, if we're having sex with each other, but we're incorporating this into us that it gives it like a bypass. Um, and that couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> uh, Ananias and Sapphira is a one example. It comes, <laughs> they did it together, but they did something wrong together, right? Yes. And they were both punished for it. Yes. Intimacy is meant to be between one man and one woman or life. That is God's design. That is God's order. Satan is always going to present a counterfeit to God's order and, and we need to be vigilant to look for that. And I, I like, I like the verse that Simeon said about, um, you know, the man that looketh on the woman to lust after on himself or in, in his heart, we can flip that around. Then the woman who looketh on the man to lust after him in her heart. And that kind of segues us into this last one is just talking about your entertainment. I have a few statistics here. I know this has been a lot of statistics, but this is just very interesting to me as we talk about this. A few statistics about entertainment. Sexual intercourse is depicted or strongly implied in one of every 10 shows on TV right now. The most widely viewed shows, those airing in prime time on the major networks, are even more likely to include sexual content. Among movies released from 1950 to 2006, roughly 85% contained sexual content. Now, ending this survey at 2006, I mean, good night. That's been almost two decades ago. So I, I can't imagine even what more modern statistics are. I really feel like anymore, you cannot see an adult movie, even some PG kid movies, without having some type of, of sex, sexual induendo, something uh, in it. Psychology Today um, is said in 2018 that the lyrics of more than one-third of popular songs contain explicit sexual content, two-thirds of which are degrading. Over the last 20 years, the prevalence of sexual content has increased in video games with a teen or mature rating. So here we're talking about TV shows. We're talking about music and movies and video games. These are the things that we choose for entertainment. And this is just some information on how sexualized that is or has become or is continuing to, to digress. 
I was just listening to, or I was on Twitter earlier today, and um, a pastor posted something, and he said that a youth pastor that he knows recently used the slang term Netflix and chill with his teenagers and didn't know what it meant. And um, for those of you who don't know what it means, it's innuendo for hanging out and then going to have sex. So that was like the time I posted. (laughs) I posted a picture of us watching Netflix eating chili on my social media. And I was like, Netflix and chili. And my sister messaged me. She's like, oh, my word. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, Brittany's not up on the lingo either. I told you I was sheltered. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is that it is so pervasive in our culture that it's entered into common everyday used slang so much so that people can accidentally use a sexual innuendo. Can you imagine 50 years ago, someone accidentally using a sexual innuendo in conversation that wouldn't have happened. The point is that the culture has adapted so much so that sexual promiscuity is so much a part of our culture that it's in our everyday language. It is everywhere. And it, and it's more than just like we were talking about a physical contact or a, um, a person that you meet at work or whatever. It's literally a part of the fabric of society. And we have to protect ourselves against that. Let me just go on a little Brittany rant here because I feel like I'm getting known for this and I'm just going to own it. I think it is so, we need to be so careful in this area of our entertainment because there are lines that we, we would, you know, with the Lord's help, we say, we won't cross this. I'm not going to do that. Um, I would draw the line here. And yet we watch movies where that line is continuously crossed. Um, I have been convicted personally as a mom um, in in my entertainment choices, in thinking, okay, I'm trying to teach my children to be pure. I'm trying to raise them to not say certain words, to not participate in certain behaviors, to keep themselves pure. And yet may I put them to bed and I go watch a movie, I go watch a TV show, and, and what's in it? What is in it? And, you know, that that means that I had to give up some of the Nicholas Sparks. Okay, so let's just call some of them out. We've got The Notebook. We've got Titanic. I mean, we've got all these romance movies that we we love, we enjoy watching. Um, but what is pervasive in that is sex outside of marriage, um, cheating on your spouse, um, nudity, all of these things that... Why would I allow my eyes and my mind to take part in that if it was something that is a line that I would not cross in my actual day-to-day, everyday living? And so I, I think that is just something that we really need to check ourselves when it comes to our entertainment. Um, and we need to ask ourselves, am I glorifying the Lord in the things that I allow to enter into my eye gate? The eye affects the heart. The heart affects the mind. The mind and the heart drive the body. And I think it goes far more than just media entertainment. It goes into social media, the people that you follow. Um, I had a purifying of all of my social media shortly, I don't know, probably a year or so after Brittany and I got married. I don't have a lot of social media anyway. But um, just people, like normal people, people that I went to school with, people that I went to college with or whatnot. And over the years, they have changed. And I had to I had to cut them from my list because of stuff they were posting, not because I actually was desirous after them, but just because it was no longer pure for me to look at. It was not wholesome for me to look at anymore. So there's that. And then there's also the things that you read. Um, mm-hmm. Your imagination is better than anything they put on the television. And so you have to be careful about that as well. And um, I just I just wanted to, again, I wanted to put it in here. Nothing ever starts out physical, ever. Every sin that you ever commit, whether it's sexual or otherwise, starts in your head. It starts in your mind, and that's where Satan gets you first. It never starts physical. So the little things that you do, whether it be resentment that you're holding toward a spouse for something that they did, Satan is going to use that resentment. He's going to drive a wedge and he's going to cause an impurity in your mind somewhere. It, whether it be the, uh, uh, you know, you're upset about a lack of intercourse or, or, or too, too much intercourse or whatever the case is, there is going to be resentment that, that the devil is going to use against you. He will use everything he can. Your flesh will use everything it can against you. And it always, always, 
always starts in your mind and in your heart. And then out of it are the issues of life. It doesn't, it doesn't start the other way around. You don't show up to work one day and decide you're going to cheat on your spouse. That's not the way it works. It always starts with something small that you've let go in your head and in your heart. The reality of it is, is that the life of purity does not happen on accident. It is chosen on purpose. Uh, It says that Daniel purposed in his heart before he ever was tempted with defiling himself with the king's meat. He had purposed who who he belonged to, who he was, and who who he was to bring glory to, and that was Christ. So when the moment of temptation came, there was no question. He was not going to defile himself because he had purposed. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to purpose, to choose on purpose that we are going to remain pure for, for the glory of the Lord, to, to bring him glory, to be the wise steward of our, of our bodies, of our minds, of our purity. And then a beautiful benefit of purity is that there is a greater depth and enjoyment to that marriage intimacy, to that relationship. Romans chapter 13, uh, verses 13 and 14 says, Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. That second verse should be a great comfort to us, because it shows that, um, yes, your flesh is going to tempt you, and it's going to take every single angle it possibly can. And yes, the devil is going to fire as many darts as he possibly can, but there is always a way of escape, and God always provides that way. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, now if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, if you're not a Christian, you don't have a way of escape. You will fall, you will fail, because you cannot do it without Jesus. But there is a way of escape, and the way of escape that Jesus used was God's word. That's what he did. Um, when he was tempted, he quoted God's word back to the devil. Um, so there, there is a way of escape, and there is hope. And if you are currently trapped in this stuff, there is hope. There is a way out. The Bible talks over and over and over and over and over again about the forgiveness that's found in Christ, the redemption that's found in Christ. You are not going to be able to dig your way out of this one. You're not going to be able to dig your way out. It's just not going to happen. But if you put your faith in Christ, you say, I'm already a Christian. Well, yeah then you already have a head start. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and let him help you through this. If you're struggling with something like pornography or you're struggling with um, impure thoughts, that may not be something that you can take care of by yourself. You may need to get some help. Or maybe you could be the one who is in a marriage that who the husband is struggling and, and you are struggling with being the one who's being hurt by it all. Yeah. And, and again, there is a way through that stuff. Um, you do need to seek counsel, especially in that case, um, because you're, you're not going to be strong enough to handle that one on your own, probably. And you need to make sure that someone who's mature in Christ, probably physically older than you, but not necessarily, um, someone who is of the same sex that you are, um, if at all possible, but you're going to need some help with that because there's going to be strong days and there's going to be weak days and you're going to need some help in those weak days for sure. But you really, more than anything else, you have to lean hard on the Lord Jesus Christ to fall in love with him all over again. And that's going to be your best protection against any of the temptations that you're going to have. When your life is crumbling around you, whether it be of your own choices or the choices of someone that you trusted your heart with, it is hard to imagine that anything beautiful could ever be in your future. But God promises that he can bring beauty from ashes. He can. We can't. But he can do miracles. And I've seen him do it before. Um, and he is still the same God. He can work miracles in your life. Um, my, my pastor in America always said that as long as there is breath, as long as there is life, there is hope. 
So if you're feeling broken, if you're um, struggling, get the help that you need. Confess, repent, and let Christ make something beautiful. I, I mean, I don't think there's any better example of this other than the life of King David. David was a man after God's own heart in spite of the fact that he made a horrible, horrible choice that did not just wreck his life. It wrecked the life of Bathsheba, of their unborn child, of, of David's home suffered I, I, countless things because of his sinful choice. Yet God redeemed, yet God still had David's heart and made a way back to himself. God was able to restore the joy of David's salvation. Maybe you feel like I'm saved, but I have no joy. I've messed up. Someone else has messed up. I'm beyond the point of having joy again. God can restore that joy. He can create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit, um, and and restore that fellowship that was broken. I came across one other quote, and I'll close out this episode with this. It said, no matter what you lose in life, do not lose the presence of God. The joy of walking with Jesus, that unbroken fellowship, and the wonder of living in his holiness with his touch on your life, nothing is worth that. Do not trade it for anything. I don't think we could better end this episode, this topic on talking about purity other than that quote, nothing no, no fling, no affair, no emotional affair, um, you know, no internet viewing, nothing is worth an intimacy with Christ. We have to self, to safeguard our marriages and we have to pray. We need to pray for our spouses. And this is something that I, I need to do more of. I need to pray for Simeon. I need to pray for a marriage. I need to pray for his purity, for my purity, I need to pray um, that we will have these safeguards in place at all time. There is never a time to let the guard down because Satan will walk by a door a thousand times just to find it a crack once. We, we always have to be on guard. We have to be vigilant. He's our adversary waiting to devour and destroy. We said at the beginning, he wants to see Christian marriages crumble. If he can have that, then, then he, he's got it. We need to stand strong. We need to to obey God, to steward our bodies well, to steward our purity, to glorify Him with our lives, with our marriages, and and fight the war that is waging. I will say this. You cannot be pure for your spouse, but you can help them to be pure. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends, right? So... You, as a spouse, have no better friend than your spouse. You know, you may not be getting along at the moment, but you have no better friend or better helper. I mean, the Bible specifically called the wife the help meet of the husband. So you have no better friend than your spouse. That said, you can be no better friend to anybody else than you can be to your spouse. And if they're struggling in this area, you can help them. They may not want the help, but you can help them. And there's a couple of ways that you can do that. Your spouse, like you, has a body, a soul, and a spirit. Impurity has to be body and soul and spirit. The body is the obvious one, and you can help them in that area by being physically intimate with that person. Um, the second one, in their soul, that's their intellect, their emotion, and will. If you are emotionally detached from that person, you are going to do them immeasurable harm. One, it's wrong, but two, it's not helping them be pure. You can't be pure for them, but you can help them to be pure. So being emotionally pure simply means that you're keeping your emotional things that are reserved for them, for them. Like we talked about earlier, you're not running around and talking about your problems with everybody because that's going to harm them emotionally, mentally. Um, and then so body, soul, and then spirit. How are you helping them to stay spiritually pure? What do I mean by that? How many times in the Bible does God call the nation of Israel adulterous for being idolaters, for putting something above him, and he refers to them as adulterous because they cheated on God? How, many, how are you helping your spouse 
not to cheat on God? How are you helping them uh, spiritually? And so if you can help their body, their soul, and their, their spirit, you're going to be helping them to remain pure, not just to you, but more importantly, to Christ. And obviously, this also applies to yourself. If you're not being pure, you need to keep in mind your body is, is it may be the first one that we list, but it's the last one in order. Your spirit's the most important, then your soul, then your body, um, because your body will follow the other two. Take care of your spirit. Your relationship with Jesus Christ must be pure before your body will ever be pure. And I, I mean, I think there are so many practical things we can do. I mean, we talked about pornography. There's there's safeguarding, but you can get covenant eyes, I think, is a popular one. You can do different things. Um, you know, you can try to talk to your spouse. Let's let's read the Bible together. Let's pray together. Let's have more conversations. Let's try to have date nights so we can connect emotionally. There's all these things. But then I sometimes think, okay, we've, we, I've tried that. I've tried that. I've tried that. Well, nothing else is working, so now I'm going to pray. <laughs> we tend to see prayer as like the final resort. Like if this doesn't work, then it's just the ship has sunk. But prayer needs to be the first thing that we go to. Prayer needs we th- that should just be something that happens, even if you have that absolutely wonderful marriage. Prayer should be a foundational part of that. Come unto so, me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But I, I just wanted to make an emphasis of that in case you might feel like, because I've heard from women who the, the husband's not the spiritual leader he should be, whether that's in the marriage or the home or the with the children, or you know, and you're, you're finding your place. How do I encourage it without pestering? How do I um, not cross a line where it drives him further away? And And I understand that's a delicate balance and Again, like I said, I can only give so much advice through a podcast platform. Every marriage is unique. Every relationship is unique. But I can say this. Every woman should pray for her husband. Every man should pray for his wife. And each couple should pray for their marriage. Not as the final result. Not as our last stand. But as as a daily, moment-by-moment part of your fabric of your being and your marriage and your relationship. Bring it before the Lord. Trust it to the only one who can truly make the difference. Yeah, I said it before and I'll say it again. You can't be pure for your spouse, but you can help your spouse to be pure. But I'm going to put another caveat on that. You can't help your spouse to be pure if you are not pure. And what I mean by that is how hypocritical would it be for you to be helping your spouse to be pure physically when you're not being pure spiritually? And they will know it. They will know it. So you make sure that your house is in order first. Are you being pure in your thoughts towards your spouse? Are you being pure in your actions towards your spouse? And if you are, then you have an opportunity to be helpful to that person. But the the worst thing you could do is be hypocritical about it. You must make sure that your own house is in order. Being pure before the Lord obviously is the most important thing, but your spouse will know if you aren't. And, and that might mean for some listener that maybe you're feeling convicted right now, and that means that you're going to have to go have a hard conversation with someone that you love that you've hurt, or maybe you've been on the other side of that conversation. Let me just remind you again. Let me say this one more time before we close out. No matter what you lose in life, do not lose the presence of God, the joy of walking with Jesus, the unbroken fellowship, and the wonder of living in his holiness with his touch on your life. Nothing is worth it. Don't trade it for anything. And if you've let something come into your heart or into your life, even if it is perfectly secreted away and no one knows, God knows. And if you are feeling convicted right now, do what you have to do, no matter how hard that may be, to get it right so that the joy of your salvation can be restored, so that your fellowship with Christ can be restored, because nothing, nothing is worth it. Don't trade any secret sin for the joy of walking in unbroken intimacy with Jesus Christ. I know this was a heavier topic today, and we spent quite a bit of time diving into this, but again, it's been something that's really been on our heart, and I hope that it will make a difference, that it will help, that it will impact a marriage, and um, just make our marriages more Christ-like, help us to move in the sanctification journey in our Christian marriages. Simeon, do you want to close out this episode in prayer for us? Sure. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity that um, we've had to discuss a difficult topic, um, but it can be a joyous topic. And I pray, God, that you will help 
um, not just us and our, our relationship, Brittany and I, but the, um, the people who are listening to this podcast, their spouses, their future spouses, um, and I pray a word that you'll help them to, if they have already messed up um, in their, or they're currently struggling with some things, I pray, God, that you'll give them what they need, the courage that they need to do what they know they need to do. And um, if if that's true of them, I know that you've already pricked their hearts and that you've already um, been showing them things as we've been talking that they need to figure out and that they need to get right, that they need to talk to their spouse about. Um, I pray that you'll give them the courage that it takes to do that. And then um, I pray, Lord, that they will seek after you with their whole heart, that they will be spiritually pure and mentally pure so that they can be physically pure. And um, I pray, Lord, that you'll work in a special way, uh, in a way that Brittany and I, we can't do it. Um, and it and, and like we said, it is at epidemic levels here. And um, you have to do something. You have to intervene. There has to be a real revival in the hearts of your people. And we ask, that God, that you would continue to prick hearts, continue to move people. Don't let them sleep at night until they get it taken care of. And uh, I pray that those that need to go find help will be able to find help, that they will have good, godly Christian people that come around them and that will put their arms around them and help them and um, bring them to your word and walk them through what they need to do. Um, and I pray, Lord, that you'll just work in a very in a very special way in their lives and their marriages. And uh, I pray that the people that come out on the other side of this thing will be stronger Christians, stronger people, and have much, much stronger marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.